1: Welcome to The Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out deep into your retirement or somewhere in between, The Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
2: Welcome to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sue Stevens, who is the CEO of Stevens Wealth Management. Uh, She also is president of uh, Financial Happiness, LLC, and Stevens Visionary Strategies. And she's come out with a new book called Put Your Money Where Your Heart Is. Welcome to the show, Stu. Thank you. Just to start with a little bit of your background and how you got to uh, to where you are today, your educational background and your path to uh, th- this book and everything you're doing now.
3: Well, it was uh, an unusual path. Um, I started out in my early 20s as a cellist and played with the Chicago Symphony and did a lot of uh, recording for um, big-name entertainers, traveled all over the world, and decided in my early 30s that, I wanted to see what else I could do, so I went back to University of Chicago and got my MBA and then started a 20-year path in the financial services business. Um, So I've worked for a large accounting firm and the Vanguard Group and Morningstar, and then I started my own firm, Stevens Wealth Management, in 2000.
2: So how do you look at money differently than the way most of the people in the financial industry look at it?
3: You know, I think because of my background and because of the way that I look at life as sort of an artist, I think there's got to be more than numbers. And so to me, the important thing is to really get behind that and find out what's important to each person that we work with and then find a way of building a structure so that they can realize whatever is important to them. And it really varies uh, by person. Some people... are looking for adventure some people want to spend more time with family some people are very interested in the arts so it can be you know a very different um, objective depending on the client.
2: In your first chapter of your book uh, which again is called Put Your Money Where Your Heart Is, uh, you talk about the other gold uh, looking inside your heart not physical gold but kind of the gold inside people and as part of that uh, you talk about resetting your internal compass so I just want to briefly go over the ten paths you say to financial happiness and maybe give a little comment on uh, how this might make a difference in people's lives and so on. Uh, The first one you have is to start each day with gratitude. What what kind of a difference would that make?
3: You know, I do this every day and it makes a huge difference. I think it really is one of the most important things you can do to, to reset that internal compass. And I think by just remembering all the things that we have to be grateful for it sets our mind in a way that um, we start at the day a little more peaceful, a little more calm, maybe with a little more compassion, um, and a little less frantic about those things that we still don't have in our life. Um, so it, it definitely makes a huge difference.
2: The next one you have uh, to reset your internal compass is to surrender to what you can't control. How does that work?
3: Well, I think another thing that, that trips people up is thinking that they can control everything in their day. And I think, you know, the older you get, the more you realize that there's a lot of things you'll never be able to control. And by letting go of some of that, um, you sort of surrender to, um, you know, what can take you forward and really uh, think about what you can control and what you can't control. You can't control the market. You can control your reaction to it. Um, and again, I think it's important to kind of sort that out.
2: Then you talk about increasing your confidence by learning more. Right. Uh, is that something you think people do a lot, or they kind of get out of school and they, they stop learning in many cases?
3: I think people do stop learning. Um, and I think what I was trying to say is, in this context, if you want to find that peace of mind with your finances, you actually do have to, to do a little homework. And that may be just spending an hour or a week or so paying attention to... Um, where you are with your money, where your money is going, what's coming in, what's going out, Um, the more time you spend getting grounded with it, I think the better the outcome can be. You then talk
2: about focusing on healthy balance. Do you think a lot of people are out of balance these days?
3: I think that the times are certainly very challenging. um, And I think that's why I wrote this book in many ways and why I think focusing on these sort of um, grounding types of exercises can be helpful. And balance can be found in a net worth statement, in your budgeting, in your portfolio, all of those things, you know, the same principles apply that you want to make sure that you um, are kind of distributed across a number of different areas um, to make sure nothing is particularly exposed.
2: You talk about the portfolio peace of mind. What do you mean by that?
3: you know, I think one of the primary reasons people come to us is that they're looking to sleep at night and know that someone is watching their money and um, that we set up a portfolio that hopefully avoids extremes. Um, You know, that may mean we don't hit the high highs, but we certainly aren't going to hit the low lows. Um, And I think that peace of mind is really, at the end of the day, what people are paying us for.
2: What has been some of the psychological impact of the, uh, I guess you'd call it the crash of 2008, the whole crisis that happened? I mean, here we are two years later. What what has been the impact of of things getting so dramatically out of balance?
3: Well, I think the impact is is huge. Um, You know, the first thing we saw was the the markets dropping, the stock markets dropping 55%. Um, You know, I think that the psychological outlook will be very similar to after the Great Depression, where people get more conservative with their portfolios um, and less tolerant of risk. I see that every day. Um, The second thing that I think I see every day is a new emphasis on budgeting. You know, the belt is tightening across the board. Um, it, It needs to be tightened at the government level all the way down to the individual budgeting level. And it certainly is affecting people in all walks of life who are having to rethink how much they're spending.
2: Are they overreacting? that fear to some extent?
3: I think that's always going to be the case to some extent. You know, when you've had a shock you tend to pull back and um, in some cases I think you know, there is an overreaction Um, and that's part of our job is to try to find that balance between taking the right amount of risk and moving forward and not being paralyzed. Because if people
2: take no risk today they're getting no return basically with their money and so-called safe vehicles is literally earning zero. So how do you talk to a client who's frightened of what happened and is very fearful, mm-hmm. and yet if they keep their money in so-called safe alternatives, they're guaranteed never to earn anything. What do you tell somebody like that?
3: Well, you know, if you choose to, to invest in something that earns zero, that's not safe. Um, right now we don't see much in the way of inflation, but the day will come when we see that again, and that's just as much of a risk as, as you know, the stock market is. So, again, I think the key is to find a balance across stocks, bonds, and cash – and right now it takes you know a lot of doing to find the right alternatives in each of those areas, because as you pointed out, a you know, money market today is paying virtually zero. Um, and that is not a good alternative um, for your cash.
2: One of your other rules, you say, is don't rule anything out. Miracles are possible. What kind of miracles have you seen happen? You
3: no, know, I've seen a lot of miracles uh, in my clients and even in my own life. And I think one of the things I've learned is just don't rule it out because at the moment you can't see how it can be done. Um, Many things are achievable um, if you just take that first step and, and start moving down the road. I've had clients that felt trapped in their jobs and really wanted to try something else. And, you know, we experimented on paper for a while with different projections, but we were able to find ways for them to start whole new chapters of their lives, as I did. In going from being a musician to, you know, financial advisor, so um, I think the first step is just letting yourself dream a little bit and, and figure out what you might want to do.
2: Then you say people should let go of what they no longer need. What, what do you have in mind there?
3: I think this is another key concept and one that I remind myself of every day. Um, all of us, you know, hang on to the past in one way or another. And I think it's very important to let go of those things that you just don't need anymore. It could be a very literal interpretation, you know, cleaning out your uh, financial records, cleaning out anything is usually a very positive process. Um, But it can also be psychological attitudes, too. A lot of people hold on to things that they learned as a child, and they're really just no longer true about money. Um, so it's important to kind of revisit some of those things and just let go of the things that aren't serving you anymore. Why are people holding on
2: to things they don't need anymore?
3: You know, I think it gets back to your comment on fear. I think people hold on to things because they don't know what's coming next, and better to hold on to what you already know. But I think in reality, um, you need to set your sights looking forward, visualize what you want to happen, and then let go and, and take a leap of faith.
2: You then say to do what you love. Don't most people do what they love?
3: You know, I think a lot of people don't do what they love. I think they settle somehow for money or security or, you know, whatever uh, seems to be the safe path at at a particular point in their life. But I think the true measure of success is finding those things that excite you and that uh, make you happy to wake up in the morning and you go and pursue those. You may not be able to do it right off the bat. It may be something that you need to study for or, you know, do uh, on the side, if you will, for a while until you're ready to make the, the big change. But I think it's really important to find something that you're passionate about.
2: Then you say that people should forgive. Is that hard for a lot of people to do?
3: I think it's one of the great lessons in life. Um, and I think it is meaningful in the financial context. Because, again, when you're holding on to things that you no longer need, um, you can't really move forward until you let go. Um, and so I think, you know, it's very important to just free yourself from some of those things that have been holding you back in the past.
2: Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answers Show. My guest this hour is Sue Stevens, uh, who is the founder and president of Stevens Wealth Management. Her new book is called Put Your Money Where Your Heart Is. We'll be back after this. back.
0: to date business and financial news call now and get the financial information you need 866-472-5790 866-472-5790 the experts are here voice america business network are you ready to go green you've asked and we've heard you voice america presents the green talk network
2: I cordially invite you to join me and some of my favorite investing experts for the Money Answers Investing Cruise from February 12th through February 19th, 2011, on board Holland America's luxurious MS Eurodam. In this volatile investing environment, good advice is more important than ever, and this exclusive Caribbean cruise offers not only fun, but also a full week of highly informative events with me and other top investing experts like Ray Lucia and Charles Payne from Fox News Network. During seminars, panel discussions, and Q&As, at cocktail parties and at dinners, we will discuss current market conditions and the best places for your investment dollars. Meanwhile, luxuriate in the amenities of Holland America's newest ship and visit some of the best ports for shopping, sightseeing, and sunning. For more information, go to www.moneyanswerscruise.com or call 800 707 1634 that's 807071634 and don't delay because spaces are
1: limited
2: Uh, whose new book is called Put Your Money Where Your Heart Is. Uh, She's also the founder and president of Stevens Wealth Management. Welcome back to the show, Sue. Thank you. We were talking about the other gold, and uh, we were talking about how you should connect and find inspiration. Again, is this something that people tend not to do?
3: Well, I think a lot of times people have kind of a barrier between what they find inspiring in their life and their money. But what I've found is that two can go together and it's actually important to find things that inspire you within your uh, portfolio and within your financial life. So um, it could be that you know that portfolio pays for things that inspire you and that you believe in or it could be that you actually are investing in some things um, that you personally connect with.
2: So what would be some examples in your case for examples of investing in things that inspired you?
3: Well there's been many things over the years Um, You know, I think the first mutual fund I invested in was a socially conscious mutual fund, and it was something that I believed in, and I held it for a long time. I think now I look for things, you know, that that seem to be um, helping lots of people. I like Apple. Um, Obviously, they're doing lots of good things. Um, There's a company called Mint out there that was purchased by Intuit, and I think that's sort of an interesting company. So there's all kinds of things out there that are... um, inspiring and interesting.
2: Let's just talk for a moment about socially conscious investing. This is investing where you're putting money in stocks and mutual funds of companies you think are doing good in the world and avoiding those doing bad in the world. Do you think in general that is a a good idea and can you do well by doing good?
3: Absolutely. I think it's it's very important and I think there's a a new um, surge in people looking for that type of thing, maybe partly because of the times Uh, maybe because it's a different generation at this point, um, trying to find meaning through their money and through their lives. But, um, you know, there are a lot of interesting areas within socially conscious investing. Um, Environmental, you can break down into lots of different types of environmental um, energy sorts of things, alternative energy. You can look at companies that have, um, you know, social programs that you think are more progressive. So there's a wide variety of of mutual funds out there and individual stocks that, you know, are doing the right thing. So you use
2: those stocks and mutual funds in the money management you're doing?
3: Absolutely. Um, You know, I think my first criteria is will it make money because that's why I'm getting paid. But um, within any of the categories we look at, um, and we look at about 18 different asset classes when we manage money, um, I'm always looking for you know something that would be socially responsible um, as a layer on whatever I'm screening for.
2: Does that take away companies that are going to be very profitable, but they're not socially up to your standards? Is that limiting your universe in a major way, you think?
3: I don't think so. You know, I, again, I, I have a combination of things that I look for. Um, and you know, it it depends on the the client how how strict they want to be about different types of screens that you might put on things. But I think, you know, what we've found, and there's studies that will show this, is that um, companies that are, you know, that are trying to do the right thing, their employees are happy, um, you know, they're finding ways to make money in the world, um, can be a very good investment. Whole foods, you know, would be another one where, um, you know, they've had their ups and downs, but I think in general um, we've seen a lot of progress there.
2: And then your 10th uh, saying about uh, the other gold is the title of your book, Put Your Money Where Your Heart Is. We're going to get into that in more detail. But in general, wh- what do you mean? there? you are trying to align your investments with your values? Is that what you're trying to do?
3: That's exactly right. Um, I'm not trying to say that you should invest, you know, emotionally, you know, by itself. I think what I'm trying to say is that um, When you think about your money, you've got to think beyond the numbers. You've got to think about what you're trying to do in your life, and then that drives you forward with how you allocate that money in every possible way, from how you spend it in budgeting to how you invest it within your portfolio to how you use it to make somebody else's life better, which is sort of the culmination um, of this book.
2: You then go on to talk about how to live within your means, uh, and at the beginning of that you're talking about the Maslow hierarchy of needs. A lot of people are not living within their means these days. Either their their wants are too high or their income is too low. What is some advice you give to people on how they can live within their means more comfortably?
3: Well, I did a lot of thinking about this as we were in 2008 and I was watching, you know, people suffer as their portfolios went down and their lifestyles changed. And, you know, one of the things that I've observed over 20 years is just The the amount of money that you have does not necessarily drive your happiness, and I think what does is making sure that no matter how much money you have, you kind of divide it up amongst the things that you really need in life, and that's where Maslow came in. He developed this hierarchy of needs, and so what I did is take that and apply it to a lot of different budgeting models that are out there and try to come up with some Uh, sort of parameters for people so that they could get some sense of how much they should be spending in these different areas, um, including housing, including um, security, even things like self-esteem. And what's really important is to make sure that you're covering all those things. And one of the things that came out of that, I think, is not everybody needs to own a house. And, you know, they may want to rethink that as well as how many cars they own and and that type of thing. But that isn't really driving happiness.
2: When you get to the top level of the Maslow hierarchy, the self-realization, how, how can people spend or invest money to get to self-realization?
3: Well, I think this is the area where we really choose to use our money to express ourselves as individuals. So it may be things like giving to charities. It may be uh, you know, helping someone else develop in an area um, that's of interest to them, which can bring happiness to us. Um, it could be anything that elevates that human spirit, um, arts, sports, um, a vacation, natural beauty, I mean, anything like that um, is important to make sure is included in some way when you're giving up your money across the different categories. Okay,
2: you then go on to talk about uh, net worth statements and finding out where your money is. Mm-hmm. Again, how can you do a net worth statement in, in aligning with the values you're talking about here?
3: Well, I think you know, a lot of people when you talk to them just don't even realize how much money they have. So doing something like this that, that captures how much you own and how much you owe is really important. Um, we've got some templates in the book and on the Financial Happiness website that people can use to categorize their money by um, their taxable assets, their retirement assets, their real estate. Um, those are the primary categories. And I think one step people miss when they do this kind of exercise, whether it's for a mortgage or or whatever they're doing, is to actually uh, take a step back and analyze what that net worth statement is telling them. So I spend some of the chapter on this going through what we look for as advisors, which has really evolved over 20 years. Um, Part of that is balance. If you see something sticking out, like, You know it was not unusual to see real estate be too big of a piece for a while when people were flipping properties Um, almost anything that sticks out like that can be a red flag so that's part of it Um, the debt amount is another thing you want to look at and again that got out of control in the not too uh, you know not too long ago so i think people are still trying to figure out how much debt is a healthy thing and and how much isn't
2: you have some specific examples uh, in one case, a post-divorce transformation, another one, a couple getting a windfall. How should people deal with big life changes like that, keeping in mind the values you have in mind here?
3: Well, I think anytime time there's a major change, and that's frequently when someone will come to a financial advisor, is when something's happened, somebody's died, or uh, something's happened where there's a change and there's there's a significant amount of money to look at. I think it's one of those times when you really need to reflect on what you want to do. In the case of the young woman who was divorced, you know, she came from a very affluent lifestyle and you know knew she had to take this money that she was going to get and make it last the rest of her lifetime. She had a daughter that you know had some issues and she wanted to make sure that there was enough money for the daughter. And she was very down to earth and realistic, and we sat down and and kind of mapped out. How that uh, you know maintenance money over the next five or six years really needed to be um, saved and used to last the rest of her lifetime. And then the other case where I think it was um, stock options, a couple young couple um, amassed a, a large amount of money through stock options um, by a fairly early age and were able to say, "Look, we don't want to be in these high powered jobs anymore." We want to stay home. We want to care for our kids. We want to do things that we believe in. Um, So we were able to do some projections for them um, to see just, you know, if it did make sense for them to step away from the big um, all-consuming jobs and, you know, I've had several clients who have made that decision and they're very happy.
2: Before we go to a break, just tell people about your website and and, uh, how they can find it and what kind of things are at that website.
3: Sure. Um, I have a couple of websites. Um, one is stevenswealth.com, and that's for our um, asset management practice. But there's also there things about uh, publications that we have, including Radiant Wealth and my book. Um, and then our other website is financial-happiness.com, and uh, that's a free education site that people can go to for articles and templates and um, all kinds of things that hopefully can help them in their lives and do you have
2: like an online community of people talking to each other about these different issues
3: um, we definitely do we have um, about a thousand people that go to the financial happiness site and um, can you know communicate with us about any of the things that they're thinking about and frequently that'll be what I use to write uh, a next article
2: so is, is that part of the problem that people don't feel they have support and looking at things the way you're talking about here
3: I think that's definitely the case. I think a lot of people feel like they don't know enough and they don't want to look you know, stupid by asking a question, but um, that is never the case in our community. I think um, everybody is genuinely looking to try to help each other, and um, we're all in this together. So you know, we'd be happy to have anybody that's looking for that kind of support join us.
2: Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this, uh, again, is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sue Stevens, whose new book is called Put Your Money Where Your Heart Is. We'll be back after this. I cordially invite you to join me and some of my favorite investing experts for the Money Answers Investing Cruise from February 12th through February 19th, 2011 on board Holland America's luxurious MS Eurodam. In this volatile investing environment, good advice is more important than ever, and this exclusive Caribbean cruise offers not only fun, but also a full week of highly informative events with me and other top investing experts like Ray Lucia, and Charles Payne from Fox News Network. During seminars, panel discussions, and Q&As, at cocktail parties and at dinners, we will discuss current market conditions and the best places for your investment dollars. Meanwhile, luxuriate in the amenities of Holland America's newest ship and visit some of the best ports for shopping, sightseeing, and sunning. For more information, go to www.moneyanswerscruise.com or call 800 707 1634 that's 800-707-1634 and don't delay because spaces are limited when
0: it comes to business you'll find the experts here Voice America Business Network
1: You've been listening to The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sue Stevens, uh, who is the author of a new book called Put Your Money Where Your Heart Is. Uh, she's also the founder of Stevens Wealth Management uh, based in Illinois. Welcome back to the show, Sue.
1: Thank you.
2: Uh, you have a whole chapter, a whole section on putting a portfolio together, what you call portfolio uh, peace of mind, and as part of that you have uh, the pitfalls for uh, uh, not having peace of mind, I guess you might say. And let's just go through some of those uh, briefly. Uh, you say many people are overly aggressive. Why, why? What's going on there?
3: Well, you know, I think people react uh, too strongly sometimes to what's going on. So, for instance, when things are going well, people can get too aggressive in their stock allocations, um, and they, they lose track of where they are with their portfolios as far as how much risk they're taking, and it almost always comes back to haunt them because eventually, you know, the markets go up and down, and when they come down, if you're not where you are most comfortable, um, you'll overreact again and go the other direction, and you know, you end up uh, selling when you shouldn't and buying when you shouldn't and you know, people get frustrated and sort of give up in that scenario. So I think the key is just don't get too aggressive in the first place. Right now, you might see that with gold. Um, you know, people are afraid and looking to put their money in something they think is foolproof. Um, but you know, nothing is completely foolproof, and too much in anything is going to probably not have the result you're looking for.
2: And then you say investing too narrowly is a bad idea. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, again, I think. To me, if you want to have a portfolio peace of mind or sleep at night, you probably need to diversify across a wide variety of different asset classes. Sometimes you'll see people uh, say, well, I'm just going to put my money in emerging markets because that's where the growth is. Um, anything like that you know, has a much higher chance of failure because you're just you're focusing on, on one or two things when you need to really spread it around a lot more.
2: And then you say being an under-informed investor uh, is a problem, too.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I see this fairly often when um, people dabble in this area, but they really haven't taken the time to make a, a regular habit of learning about finance and investing. And, and you don't have to have an MBA to do this, but I think you do need to make time to read something, you know, like the Wall Street Journal or some sort of uh, financial publication to educate yourself about the terminology, the more you know, the, the more things are not going to throw you when something happens.
2: You then talk about being undisciplined or overly emotional.
3: Yeah, this is another common thing that we'll see is people fall in love with their investments. They buy something they've had a long time. Um, they're very reluctant to sell it, even if it's not performing the way that um, it, it was expected to. Um, so you do need to have some discipline when you're creating a portfolio. And one of the things we do to keep uh, tabs on that is create an investment policy statement, which is actually a written document. Anybody can do it. But you commit to paper exactly what you expect from the portfolio, what kind of risk levels are acceptable, what sort of returns you expect, and then about once a year you go back to that and see how it's going and if you need to rebalance or you need to make changes. And having something like that can keep you steady during very volatile times, um, and it, it's definitely proved to be an asset.
2: You're saying that a lot of people are impatient when it comes to investments, uh, particularly when they're getting zero yields on their money market funds. They want action, I guess. Is that right? Well,
3: yeah. I mean, and, and sometimes it's it's needed. I mean, if you're getting zero on your money market, again, you have to think about what am I doing here. If you really need liquid cash for an immediate upcoming needs and you might need something in a money market. But there are other ways of finding a little bit more yield, with a short term bond fund or um, you know, other types of short types of fixed income investments that can give you, you know, more of a two, three percent after tax yield, which is appealing in this market.
2: And you're saying getting greedy is, is one of the pitfalls?
3: Uh definitely I think uh you know you see people start to get on a roll something goes well they want more and more um, of that and you know I think the hardest thing to learn in this business is when to sell so those two things kind of come in together and I think what you have to learn is to figure out when to say okay that's enough I've met my goal and move on.
2: So do you set a price target originally and then when it meets it no matter what happens you sell?
3: You know, I do have disciplines both on the uh, upside and the downside as far as where I want to sell something. So I, I do build targets in like that.
2: And, and typically, what what kind of a target? Is it like 20% or is there some percentage from where you buy it you're aiming for? Yeah,
3: 25% is typically where I start. I, I modify that depending on the situation and the person and the objective and that type of thing. But... Um, you know, I think that's a good uh, starting place to draw a line in the sand.
2: And then you say people ignore tax efficiency. Um, is this having to do with uh, buying and selling things for short-term gains, or what do you mean by that?
3: Well, I think taxes are something that, that are going to be more and more important as we go forward. They've always been important, but I think what, what you have to do is think about where are you holding different types of investments. So. Right now, with uh, dividends and capital gains rates at 15%, a lot of people are holding stocks that produce dividends and capital gains in taxable accounts. If we go back to the old rules next year, you know, capital gains will be at 20%, and uh, dividends could be taxed at as high as 39.6%. So that's a possibility. We might want to hold our dividend-producing types of assets in in tax-deferred accounts at that point. Uh, First, we have to see what's actually going to happen with Congress, but um, you definitely need to think about what's called asset location, um, and that drives tax efficiency. So if people,
2: if if those tax rates do in fact go into effect, and dividends and capital gains are taxed at higher rates, how would that change the uh, location of where you keep assets?
3: Well, I think uh, for anything that's paying out a significant dividend or income, you might want to hold it in a retirement account like an IRA or a 401K. Um, If you're if you're taking capital gains, so you're, you know, you're holding a stock or something and you're selling it at an appreciated rate. Hopefully, the market will go up. Um, then those things could stay in taxable accounts. You could also hold things like municipal bonds that are tax exempt in taxable accounts.
2: So you're saying it might be, give a, a impetus to capital gains and. Um less impetus to dividend and income oriented stocks
3: right and there's certainly a lot of interest this year in taking capital gains especially if people have prior year capital losses still sitting on their income tax return um, you know to try to set things up for future years
2: you also say that people pay too much in fees what are some of the fees that they pay too much in
3: well jack bogle was famous, uh, is famous for saying these types of things and he always emphasizes you know, keeping expense ratios low. Vanguard is known for keeping expense ratios on the low side. Um, we definitely emphasize that in our practice. Um, so if we are using a mutual fund, we're looking for things that have low expense ratios and good performance. A lot more people are using exchange-traded funds now because they do tend to have uh, lower expense ratios. And even what you're paying your advisor, I think, needs to be reasonable Um because every dollar you keep is valuable.
2: You say people often rebalance either too often or too little. What do you mean by that?
3: Well, I think you see about half half the population do one uh, thing. They Some people never rebalance their portfolio, especially when you look at 401ks or, or retirement assets like that. They'll set it when they first set it up and then never change it. Um, and you may need to change it as you get older and your risk tolerance changes. Um, the other group rebalances too often. They're constantly um, making changes in their portfolio, um, almost day trading if you will, and um, the fees for that kind of activity generally don't make it productive.
2: Uh, and then finally you say to forget that people forget to put their money where their heart is. What are they doing if they're not doing that? What are they they're just going for pure profit without caring yeah, about I, this.
3: Yeah, I think you know they they lose track of you know what's the meaning behind it. What are you trying to do with this money? Um, I, I mean, I think all of us want to see our money grow and accumulate. That's important. But um, I think when it when it just becomes numbers on a piece of paper, people lose interest or or they just don't feel good about it anymore. And uh, what we're trying to do here is, is have the best of all worlds where your assets grow and you feel good about how you're doing that.
2: What are some of the things people should look for uh, in finding a financial advisor and having that be a good chemistry?
3: Well, I think uh, one of the first things you need to do is find somebody um, that you're comfortable talking with. And I kind of um, call that heart, somebody that um, just empathizes with you and that you feel comfortable talking to. Um, I think the next thing you need to look at is fee structures. You need to make sure that um, you know what you're paying for, and that's certainly a tricky um, subject right now. Um, There's something called fiduciary duty, and some advisors uh, embrace that and some don't. But if you find an advisor um, that's, for instance, a NAPFA advisor, um, everybody in that group takes a, and you know an oath that says that we put the shareholders or the the clients' interest ahead of our own, and um, you know that's very important. So I think that's good. I think transparent fees. I think you know I like to know exactly what I'm paying for. I think my clients want to know that. Um, and there's a variety of ways that you can structure things so that that it is transparent. But I think that's important. Um, I think your advisor needs to be knowledgeable. So you want to check their credentials and see what kind of work they've done and what kind of work they need to continue to do to stay up-to-date with their different credentials. I have to have, I think, about 60 hours of continuing education credit every year just to keep up with all my designations.
2: All All right, We're going to go to a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sue Stevens, whose book is called Put Your Money Where Your Heart Is. We'll be back after this.
0: It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
2: Hi, this is Jordan Goodman, host of the Money Answer Show. I cordially invite you to join me and some of my favorite investing experts for the Money Answers Investing Cruise from February 12th through February 19th, 2011 on board Holland America's luxurious MS Eurodam. In this volatile investing environment, good advice is more important than ever and this exclusive Caribbean cruise offers not only fun but also a full week of highly informative events with me and other top investing experts like Ray Lucia and Charles Payne from Fox News Network. During seminars, panel discussions, and Q&As, at cocktail parties and at dinners, we will discuss current market conditions and the best places for your investment dollars. Meanwhile, luxuriate in the amenities of Holland America's newest ship and visit some of the best ports for shopping, sightseeing, and sunning. For more information, go to www.moneyanswerscruise.com or call 800 707 1634 that's 807071634 and don't delay because spaces are limited
3: 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You've been listening to the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sue Stevens, whose new book is called Put Your Money Where Your Heart Is. Welcome back to the show, Sue. Thank you. And tell them again your uh, website and maybe a phone number where they can uh, reach your firm.
3: Sure. Um, Our website is stevenswealth.com, and our 800 number is 888-456-0700.
2: Let's talk about retirement a little bit. Uh, You say that retirement um, is can be a very good time to be the rest of your life if you're not working. What are some things people need to know about in planning for a happy retirement?
3: Well, I think you want to start planning for it at least five years in advance, and you need to think about uh, several different major categories. One is, are you going to have enough money to do what you want to do? Um, So there's uh, projections that we can do to help people with that. There's also a little template in the book that is a quick way of assessing how much you'll have coming in from various assets or Social Security or pension, um, walk you through what you can expect, and then you can tell if that's going to work for you or not. But there's also other things that you want to think about, um, including you know, where are you going to live. Uh, some people choose to stay where they've always been, but some want to have you know, two homes or they want to relocate uh, by their kids or in a warmer climate So depending on what you want to do, you want to think about that and build it into some kind of a projection. Typically I'll tell people to go uh, try living there first um, before they make that commitment. Um, A lot of my clients don't want to just stop working. They want to do something else. So that's another consideration is um, what else are you thinking you might want to do during um, those years? It may be that you don't want the full-time pressure anymore, but you still want to do something. Um, and everything then has a price tag, so you have to think about how much it will cost, build that in to your numbers as you're thinking about um, whether or not your money will last throughout your lifetime, which is the big question everybody always wants to know about. Um, I think other things that people sometimes forget about is um, how well will you stay connected with your family, your friends, your prior co-workers, um, that's part of happiness. And you need to think about how you're going to be able to do that. And then the last thing I'd say is, uh, especially now, is you need to think about how you're going to pay for health care. Um, you know, There should be some good things on the horizon that will help a lot of people, but it's still something that you need to think through carefully to make sure that you can have the medical care that you might need.
2: If you're approaching retirement and you've not done it right, you've not saved enough, what are some things people can do uh, to kind of catch up and still have a decent retirement, because that's the situation a lot of people are in.
3: Absolutely. You know, I think uh, we've done a lot of projections in the last couple of years as people are scrambling to figure out, you know, should they continue working? I mean, I think that's obviously one answer is that you just keep working, you keep putting money away, um, and, you know, reassess as you go along. Maybe it's another couple of years before you're at the point where you've accumulated enough spend what you want to in those retirement years. Um, I think you can also look at, um, you know, part-time income. Maybe you can still leave uh, the, you know, 40-hour, 60-hour-a-week job and go do something part-time that you might enjoy more, even if that is for another five or ten years. Um, And then I think the the most major thing that we talk about all the time is um, you probably need to spend less now and save more. I think most people are coming to that conclusion one way or another, which is where we get back into the Maslow budgeting exercise. Um, you know, If you want to make a change, then it might, might be worth it to tighten the belt a little bit now um, so that you can do what you want to as quickly as possible. One tool
2: you advocate is the uh, fixed immediate annuity. Mm-hmm. What are the pros and cons of uh, getting one of those when you're about to retire?
3: Well, I think a lot of people really like the idea of a guaranteed um, stream of income. It's like the old pension plans used to be, and some people still have them, but most people don't. Um, You can take a lump sum of money and go and purchase an annuity, and the immediate part means it starts right away. The fixed part means that it pays a fixed rate of return throughout the life of the annuity, um, so that the stock market is not going to affect it. So when you go to check out um, what you might get in the way of an annuity payment, they would look at your age. It it can be for one person or two people, so they might look at a combined life expectancy. They'll look at the rates of return right now, and they'll tell you approximately what you could expect if you uh, purchase that type of annuity. You can purchase them with um, inflation protection, which I frequently advise people to do because it used to be one of the downsides of an annuity is that it was fixed it never went up and inflation could really put a huge dent in it now you can actually pay for the privilege of having your payments go up every year and that can make a big difference
2: you have a chapter about what you call the financial bridge uh, which is helping people uh, as somebody dies or getting preparing for that what are some of the tips uh, to help people prepare for that
3: well, we, we have a lot of clients that come in that are really looking for continuity for their family. Uh, maybe one person has been better with finances for most of their lifetime, and um, when that person is no longer here, um, they want not only an advisor that can help with that process, but a whole process, um, which would include putting estate plans in place. It could be a will, trust, powers of attorney, uh, possibly even charitable trusts. Uh, making sure that you have the right people in place as executors and trustees, and then also just knowing what to expect for survivors. And so we've created a whole um, binder full of information called the Financial Bridge that is available at our financial-happiness.com website um, that can walk people through um, exactly what they need to know.
2: What would you expect to happen with the estate estate tax right now, which if nothing changes would go up to 55% in a million dollar exemption from zero today. What are you expecting and how are you having clients plan for this kind of uncertain situation right now?
3: Well, that is the million dollar question, so to speak. I think nobody knows what to expect. I think most people think it'll go back to what it was last year, which is 3.5 million per spouse. There's some talk that it could go to 5 million and then, of course, if they really do nothing, it could be a million, uh, but I think most people think that that will not happen. So we'll see. I think this will be a year fraught with lots of lawsuits, as you know we have no estate tax right at the moment, and I expect whatever they do will be retroactive, and that's where the lawsuits will come into play. <laughs>
2: Keep the lawyers happy. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, you also have an unusual uh, area of the book called animal grace, uh, and you want to take care of animals in financial ways too. What are some of your thoughts on that area?
3: I think it's very important to plan for your pets when you're doing estate planning, and that's what this section is about. Um, there's really uh, four steps that we list in the book. One is choosing a pet guardian, so who actually will care for that pet, whether you're disabled or or if you're gone. Um, think about the financial assistance that person might need, which may mean that you want to add language to your trust that says exactly what that financial um, assistance should be. And then lastly, putting together some instructions for the caregiver on the pet and what kinds of things um, are normal for its day-to-day life.
2: Well, we have about a minute to go. Why don't you just kind of sum up what difference it will make in your life if you do put your money where your heart is as opposed to not doing it that way?
3: I think it makes all the difference in the world. I think having something that you care about through your finances and through your life is what makes life meaningful and what people are searching for right now. And I think the fact that that things are so chaotic in our financial world is all the more reason why we need to build strong roots and be very grounded in our approach as we go forward.
2: Very good. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on, Sue. Uh, Sue Stevens' uh, website, again, is stevenswealth.com. That's Stevens with a V. Uh, Her new book is called Put Your Money Where Your Heart Is, And she's given us a lot of very good ideas to think about uh, in making our life more satisfying as well as financially more secure. So thanks for being on the show, Sue. We've enjoyed you very much. Thanks so much. And we'll be back again with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now.